Over the last 20 years, the Lord has been releasing a global movement of prayer that has been exploding across the nations of the earth. People have gathered in small little prayer rooms, and they've also filled stadiums crying out for revival. And really, it was always just a matter of time before God started to mobilize and send people out in response to those prayers. I believe we're really starting to come into those days, but it's been going on for a long time because there's no such thing as a separate prayer and missions movement. Jesus, when you read through the Gospels, he prayed, and then he ministered to people out of that place of intimacy with his Father, out of his prayer life. And then at other times, he went and ministered to people. And then in view of the need, in in Matthew 9, for example, we see him calling people to pray for more laborers to be sent out. In God's heart, they are one and the same movement. Prayer and missions belong together. And in this episode, we're going to share some stories of what that practically looks like. This is the Burning Rooms Podcast. Welcome to the Burning Rooms Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we connect you to the prayer movement in Canada and beyond, where we have the conversations, share the stories to strengthen your corporate and your personal prayer life. My name is Johan. I'm Brian. I'm Jehu. Last week, we had Gaylene with us. Gaylene shared some of her life story, her salvation story, and how the Lord has taken her to some of the toughest and darkest places. Today, we wanted to continue a little bit on that conversation. So we wanted to bring the prayer room outside the four walls and have a discussion about it. Gaylene has been in many different areas, so she's going to be a huge contributor to this conversation. The three of us, we've also done prayer outside the four walls, so we're going to contribute a little bit as well to this conversation. So we're going to talk about it. So Brian, when we were talking about putting this episode together, there was a story that came to mind from Scripture that... I came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking about the story of the Good Samaritan, and it's it's one of the the most famous stories in in Scripture about showing love to people who maybe aren't a part of your own group. But one of the things that really sticks out to me about this story is that the at the beginning of the story, there's two people who actually walk by this this wounded man on the road, and it's a priest and it's a Levite. They're both men who are called to minister before the Lord and have this place of real importance um, in, in the Lord's house. And so these are the people who are, who are supposed to know God best. And the interesting thing is that in this story, they're the ones who actually walked by because it was a nuisance. They, they saw this man and instead of seeing a broken, hurting man in need of help, they saw a nuisance and they just walked right on by him and went on into their priestly duties. They didn't want to defile themselves, just didn't want to deal with that issue. And, and so that, that sticks out to me as I think about what the Lord is calling the prayer movement into now. And he's calling people who have a heart, yes, to be before him, to minister to his heart, to pray for revival. But it's so clear even from the passage that it's his heart that we would be so much more than that. And so that passage in some ways serves as a, as a warning to my heart, but it's also as an encouragement to step into everything that the Lord has for us. So I'm glad you shared that story because we have Gaylene at the table and she has been someone that has 
She's ministered in prisons. She ministers to refugees. She goes to the psych wards and hospitals. She's on the streets with the gangs. She is all over the place. She is not the person that would pass by on the road. Welcome, Gaylene, to the conversation again. Hi. Great to have you again. And by the way, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, it was awesome hearing hearing her story. It will provoke you. So go back and listen to that first. Pause this one, come back to it later. So Gaylene, uh, the Lord brought you into this prayer movement, not necessarily your typical intercessory missionary that you'd expect. He's really he he's really brought you outside the four walls, yeah. and he's used you to provoke the rest of our house of prayer, even to get outside the four walls. I know personally, I am always provoked by hearing your stories and what you're doing on the streets, and it's causing me to rethink a lot of what I think about the prayer movement and being an intercessory missionary should include. So, Gaylene, what what does it look like to be an urban missionary? as well as an intercessory missionary in the House of Prayer, you are on staff at SHOP. But what does that look like for you? It looks very different for me as a worship leader and someone that spends a lot of time in the prayer room. What does it look like for you? I think it all crystallized to me as I started out as a, a prayer walker, um, where I would like, it really took Joshua 1-3 very, very seriously that I was taking territory you know that that it's it says in that in that scripture that we're taking territory for the Lord, right? So, you know, I, I became really really familiar with like the you know the back lanes and the you know the dark. You know, I have actually been in crack houses. You know, I've been in some really really dark places, and uh, you just you can't be exposed to that level of darkness day after day. You know, funerals and and all of the things that I've had to deal with uh, if you don't pray. And uh, I think that's what struck a chord with me. I don't think it was necessarily, like, really conscious. I think the Lord just, like, sovereignly moved me into the prayer movement for that reason. Because you have to learn to get intimate with Him. And um, I would say my primary prophetic gifting is finding the one person— in the neighborhood or the park or the mall that needs prayer that day, the hospital that needs prayer that day. That's my primary gifting. You match me with a highly prophetic person and, you know, we can rock, you know, like that person's life, right? So, like, I started going to the Central Park with a sign that says, need prayer, question mark. And it is just like people that minister with me find it really interesting because um, this one guy, you know, had gone through, I don't think it was YWAM, but it was through John Crowder, his school of ministry. And he was like, wait, like, you don't even introduce yourself? And I was like, no, I just say, do you want prayer? Like, that's it. Like, it comes down to, and so it's all about prayer. So obviously— a church that doesn't have prayer doesn't really like strike a chord with me. Uh, a church that doesn't really have uh, Holy Spirit doesn't really strike a chord with me, uh, and the prophetic doesn't really strike a chord with me. So uh, it was nothing like really conscious. I just started coming, and you know, it, like people really loved me and really cared about me. Um, it's Paige Utley, Paige Graywood was at the time that got me into the prayer room. It was her. She was my barista at Starbucks. The power of the barista <laughs> yeah she's she's the one she invited me wow. you know and that that's why is that her and janelle stevens prayed for me and i just saw there was something here and that's why i came back so that need prayer sign we you pull that out put it in the park in the summer we're in winnipeg so mm-hmm. we're not going to do that in january no. <laughs> 
but there are other times when you don't have a sign and you're going into the malls. Right. One particular mall in our in our inner city, mm-hmm. which is quite place, yeah. quite dark at times. Yeah. And we've heard you tell a lot of stories even about the security guards there and, and your ups and downs there. Do you have anything you want to share? Well, if you want to like experience what Winnipeg is really about, go sit in the food court at, at, at Porter's Place. If you're from the suburbs and you think that we live in a really white city, you think again. The Portage Place is where it's at. It it is like, you know, strikes my heart. I remember when I started on staff, um, Brian Creary asked me, you know, if you could do one thing, you know, what would you do? And I said, I want to open a prayer room at Porter's Place. And he was like, whoa, (laughs) whoa. (laughs) But I I will tell you that is still my dream. It's I believe it's God's dream. You know, I believe that we're moving towards it. There's actually people that have come alongside me in the vision, and I think it's going to happen. You know, in the heart of the city, in the heart of a mall, in like there's so many things at Portage Place. It's so close to Portage of Maine. It's it's so close to U of W. It's so close to, uh, you know, all of the uh, the things that we think of as Winnipeg. And I and I think having a prayer room there, having prayer there and worship there, will shift the atmosphere in the city. So where do you think that, where did that vision come from to have a prayer room in a mall in the inner city? Well, the mall part is, I think, you know, just Winnipeg, but I've been to Hope City in in Kansas City and Hope City is my tribe. It's my people. I've never ever gone to a place where I felt like I belong more. What is Hope City? Could you describe it? It's an inner city prayer room um, in Kansas City and it's... uh, on 25th, I believe, and it, right in the right in the hood in Kansas City, and in the middle of urban blight, like houses falling down, and and um, you know it's it's very gritty. There's a church's chicken down the street, and a bar, and there's very little in that neighborhood. There's buses, and um, it was uh, founded by uh, Mike Vickle's sister, and it is. It is just absolutely the most sweetest place in the world for me. Every time I go there, you know, I feel love. I feel like I belong and I feel like people with the same heart, you know, even though they're in Kansas City and they're dealing with mostly African-American, they're dealing with different drugs there. They're dealing with like opioids and heroin. You know, we're dealing more like with crack and and meth, but it's still the same contending uh, for the least of these which, you know, the scripture says that that's Jesus's heart. So so in the meantime, while you don't have a prayer room in the mall yet, what does it look like right now? It You take it to the streets. <laughs> you really do. Like I, I've found some like-minded people and like we do prayer walking. I'm, you know, we take territory at the hospital and within that hospital in Health Sciences Center, there is a psych ward. There's a cancer care facility, uh, there's a general hospital, and there's a women's hospital, a beautiful new women's hospital. And uh, we regularly prayer walk halls and the tunnels, there's tunnels underneath. Um, we're trying to get on the heliport. The, our dream is to get up on the heliport because the, the Star's helicopter comes. It's like oh, a, yeah. it's the air ambulance that comes. And we really want to, like, I, we all pray, all of my team prays for the, the Star's helicopter. It's very obviously obvious. It's uh, very, it's red, right? Red. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it definitely, when it comes into my neighborhood, I can hear it. <laughs> so uh, it wakes me up in the middle of the night all the time. And so I do that in the hospital, in the mall, in the park, uh, Central Park, wherever God, you know,
know, asks me to be. And some days a little more fruitful than others. You want to talk about, like, we? Uh, I'll just tell you one of the coolest things the Lord did for me was taking that and helping me make money doing it. <laughs> which is, which is, uh, he he gave me a job at the census. So basically, you're going into people's houses, and he gave me the hood, That's like. Cool. Yeah, and so I get like legal access to people's houses, legal access to their their financial like, and we're we're sworn to secrecy, and, and I'm not going to disclose any information. But you're dealing with people that are very sick and very broken, like access to crack houses. Like I'm allowed to go in there, right? And I work by myself. Um, in some context, we can go as a partner, but I they found that I was very, very fruitful doing it by myself. And so they just would give me more and more. And then I started training people and taught them how to get into buildings. And I'm actually very good at it. And uh, because because I love my neighborhood and I love what's there and I know that those people and my story when I would in the census was, this is your way of being counted. And then when and then like, the Lord just gave me a job in the past two elections doing voter registration. And so voter registration is much the same. It's a lot less information. You just find out their name you know, their sex, their address. And, um, and it's, and that was my story was much the same. Like you, this is registering you so you can make a difference with your vote. I'm not telling you who to vote for. We're supposed to be totally nonpartisan. I'm not allowed to talk about candidates, but again, I know how to take territory. So the people in the election were just like, how do you get like so many people to sign up? And I'd be like, I'm a missionary. Like, this is, you know, like, this is what God has asked me to do. It's, like, so amazing. And, and I get paid for it really well. <laughs> what, what was their reaction? Like, like, I can't imagine they have too many women who are wanting to go out by themselves into, like, the inner city doing census work or... I, I, you know, like, they were just astounded by my results. So, like, you know, like, it just, my work speaks for itself. And I love doing it, and I love people. You know, like, I loved going into the D, like, in on Higgins and, uh, you know, Dufferin. It's so great. You know, like, a lot of people think it's really a scary place. I found it really, I had a partner with the federal government. They insist that I go with a partner. But he didn't really do anything other than hold my papers. Like... <laughs> But anyway, so listeners know that's a really dark part of town. Yes. Considered a very dark it's part the, of town. It's about the darkest red light and, district. Yeah, and everything. And I just love it. You know, just to meet people and like say, say you can make a difference if you, um, you know, if you vote. You know, I can help you. I mean, this will just make it a little easier on election day. You come in with your voter registration card and a piece of ID. And there's a lot of misconceptions about you know, like we they think we have voter suppression here in Canada and no. No, we do not. So that's another show. Yeah. But anyway. One of my favorite Gaylene stories is that one time there was a group of us and we were down in Kansas City. We went out to eat somewhere. It wasn't the best section of town. And a couple of guys come in um, into the restaurant. We're all sitting down ready to eat. Probably Arthur group- and Ace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a group of like eight or ten of us. And Gaylene, they walk in and Gaylene just goes to the rest of us. Oh, those guys are gang members. And the rest of us are thinking, okay, well, we're just going to look down at our table. <laughs> 
We're, you know, no big deal. We're just, you know, we're just not going to cause a stir. No big deal. And as we're all thinking that, Gaylene, I think, is probably off her seat already. And she's walking over to these guys just to start talking with them. And Yeah, I mean, I knew that one of them had a weapon, too. So, like, I could tell. <laughs> so, and they were they wanted to, me to come to the hood with them. We were leaving at, like, what, 6 in the morning or in the next morning. And so, like... Brian and Joel are like freaking out that I'm going to like leave with these guys. And then Tanya Friesen, who is with us, is like, I want to come too. And like, they're like, no, you're not going. Because these guys were like so touched by the Holy Spirit. We prayed like for these. Actually, you guys prayed too, like for Arthanase. You, you, I think you and, and Joel both did. But anyway, it was it was a weird situation because I, I actually thought that, the, that it was getting robbed. Like, that's why I went and interacted. He actually had a friend in the kitchen, and he walked right in the kitchen. I was like, oh, my God. Like, you know, what are you going to do? We're going to sit here and be part of a crime scene? Or maybe, you know, it was actually a much nicer situation than that. They're really nice guys. But that's the way I see them. <laughs> And that's why the Lord takes you to exactly. these places because you love there them. So, Arthur and Ace were such nice guys. You remember? Well, and I remember you just mentioned too that Ace had just mentioned his name was Ace, and you're like, yeah. "That's not your name." Yeah, <laughs> I don't deal with gang. I don't deal with street names. I, I I say I call you what your mom calls you. Yeah. So, so you actually got him to tell you? Yeah, I did. I forget it now, yeah. but yeah, it was something like, weird. That's not your name. What's your name? Yeah. Well, good mom. Yeah, good yeah, mom. Yeah, exactly. So I know Gaylene and Brian, you've you've both actually done some ministry in in one of the prisons. Is it in Winnipeg or just outside Winnipeg? Yeah. Fine. So what does it look like to bring the prayer room to the prisons? Well, I truly believe I'm doing stuff at Stony Mountain too. Um, I've done Milner Ridge. I've done Manitoba Youth Center, Remand. I had quite a, a really a, like heavy encounter coming out of the remand center once i i walked out of the remand center and i started hearing music and it was like a, a common song um we're gonna work it out out like that song by common and i was like okay and i was just felt all this joy and then i read like jackie pullinger's book uh um chasing the dragon and she talks about how every time she went into the underground city she felt joy and i was like Oh, so actually, like we had been, Brian and I had been warned that we would be, they were like spirit, the inmates were a little bit like spiritual vampires, right? Didn't he say that? You know, mm -hmm. but we've had like nothing but awesome experiences in there, you know, like it's, it's a very controlled environment. And, uh, but there's just something about like Milner Ridge in particular that is really special. And, uh, see breakthrough and we walk out and we're just like full of joy and, you know, it's amazing. And I'm I'm like a complete and total rookie with all of this. So like we were in, we were in a staff meeting a few a few months ago, and Gaylene just mentioned mentioned she'd be going um, to to one of these prisons with um with another woman, and and it and it's a, a male institution. So she said, oh, it'd be so great to have a few men coming along with. And I'm I was thinking like, well, I'm a man. Um, and they were and they were praying over people and just like basically prophesying and sharing God's love with them. Like, well, I I know how to do that. We do that in the house of prayer all the time. And and then added to it the fact that we were doing this in the middle of a day, and I do so much of my work like at youth groups, other stuff, where it's in the evenings and stuff. I'm like, well, this is absolutely perfect. So I just like it was one of those things where I I didn't know what I was getting myself into at all. Like I I had no idea, but I just said yes. Well, I'll try it and just see how this thing goes. And it's been it's been so much fun. It's just been a couple of times actually that that I've been there, but it's been so so fun. Um, and yeah, I I haven't felt a, a heaviness at that place at all actually there's there's more of a just a lightness and um i mean they have an amazing 
uh, chaplain at that institution as well. So it's been great to work with him. And, you know, there's just people out there who need to know that God loves them. Yeah. Like they need to know that God loves them. And I think sometimes we forget just how radically good news Jesus is. That's right. Like, and, and in the prayer room, we sing these love songs from over and over again that he's amazing and he's good. And, and I think sometimes, at least for me in the past, there can, there, there can be this, this disconnect and think, yeah, but other people don't get it. But there's a lot of people who are, who are actually just waiting to be told. Like, no, he actually is that good. You, you know, you enter into a conversation with somebody in, in many different contexts, and one of the things that, they'll, that you'll, you'll hear is, well, I just don't feel like I'm good enough. And it's so awesome when someone says that, and you're like, well, I have great news for you. Of course you're not. That's the whole point. You could never be good enough for Jesus. Like, he died on the cross to take away all of your sins. He died on the cross, like, to pay a price you couldn't pay. He get washed clean, all of your sins forgiven, and he strengthens you to walk in obedience and holy. Like, it's such good news. And so, um, so just having that opportunity has been absolutely amazing, and I, I still like, I mean, it's funny how we're doing this. Like, oh, Brian, you've been in some prisons. Like, well, yeah, like twice. Um, <laughs> but but as a rookie, I'm loving it. And I'm just like, just so excited to see what God does in the, in our coming times there. It's so interesting that you mentioned the joy aspect, because when we read the Good Samaritan story, and when we talked about that earlier, you don't think of the Samaritan as happy when they're doing this. You know, there's this wounded man on the side of the road and the Samaritan is, well, I guess I'll stop and it's a bit out of my way and, you know, help them out and take them to the inn. And it seems inconvenient or it seems like there's some friction there. But what you're describing, I think, is a much more realistic version of it where you're bringing the good news. You're you're joyful as you're bringing it. Like you're seeing people set free and healed and delivered. And this is making you happy. Like you're not, oh, I guess I got to go to the prison again. You sound like you want to go to the prison again. He actually does. Yeah, I'm totally. And, <laughs> he said, and, oh, I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, for for weeks now, I've been looking forward to it. But like one of the realities is, is that none of the sins that those guys have committed is worse than mine. The Bible says if you break one command, you're guilty of breaking the whole yeah. thing. So like, the same salvation I walk in is is offered to any of these guys who 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 want to turn and give their lives to the Lord. And there's very few people on the earth who want to actually want to keep living a life that's absolutely destroying themselves and their families and those around them. There's a few who who want to keep going in that direction there, and we need the Lord to break in on them. But for most people, it's like, no, I actually don't like living in a way that destroys me. I just don't know how to get out of it, right? And so the the power of the gospel in those settings is just so transformative. And and what blew me away is, is that, oh, there's real settings where there are people who are just hungry to hear this. And they just need someone to actually come and share the love of Jesus with them. And like Graham said, not to evangelize them, but to love them. And yet, there aren't a lot of people who are out there wanting to be converted, but there are a lot of people who are wanting a love encounter with God. And <laughs> I think when you get a love encounter with God, you get converted, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so it's like, so so it's it's kind of cool. And and just as a, again, as an absolute rookie and all this, I, I just kind of like, I, Gaylene was talking about when she was doing some of the census work and stuff, this guy who was with her and kind of carrying her papers. I'm kind of just following and kind of watching and then just, but then also. <laughs> You're the paper guy. Well, yeah, but but we, we do this so often too, right? In the same muscle that you use for, I think, uh, as a prophetic musician in the prayer room, trying to hear what the Lord's saying, looking over the room, trying to discern what he's saying, it's no different than when you're in a room with eight or nine guys there and you're just looking across and saying, okay, Holy Spirit, like, what do you want to say to these guys? You love them. You're passionate about them. 
They almost never have any chance for anyone to speak God's heart over them. So you know the Holy Spirit's going to speak through mm-hmm. you because he wants them to, to, to hear about his love far more than we want to give it. So then we just let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. And they don't have much to do in prison. So um, if the yeah. Lord if the Lord gives them a heart of prayer, like you got a whole untapped priesthood just waiting there in the prison. I mean, that's, Amen. One, that's one of the things that provoked me to actually, I, I put my paperwork in today wanting to join you guys at the prison ministry too, is mostly because I was just bothered by the scripture where it says, I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Mm-hmm. I read that and... I was just bothered and like, okay, I know some people going to prison and it's bothering me, so I'm going to take that opportunity. But I just think, I don't know, I love that untapped priesthood idea because I pray for the prayer movement all the time for the Lord to raise up prayer rooms and and musicians and singers. And there there's a group of people in the prison that have nothing to do. They don't have jobs to go to. They don't have much to do, but they can pray if the Lord puts yeah. it on their heart. Yeah, I went to Stony Mountain recently, and uh, the one, that's one of the they have proctors. I think they're called. They're, they on each range, there's a senior Christian that's baptized, and they they kind of vet all of the requests to the chaplain. So I right off the bat, I was like, oh my god, they have the makings of prayer movement, like they really do. And then so then the, one of the proctors was telling me after he asked if I was single. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> awkward um and then he 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 tell, told me about how many times he gets up in the middle of the night with these guys who are being terrorized by dreams and and are just up in the middle of the night and i said has it occurred to you that any of them might be called onto the night watch and he was like excuse me and i was like well you, you read the bible and you see like you know there's a morning watch and there is a night watch i said what if they were up in the middle of the night for you guys to pray and he's he's quite like this one guy gets up at 4:30 every morning and prays for each of that like uh, they have the makings of a prayer room in jail like they and stony mountain and they have three chaplains there wow. that are all like not like they're all christian chaplains they have what it takes like you know which is what provoke me to go get there with there is way more uh, intense. You have to get fingerprinted and then you have to take a three hour orientation. Like Farron does like a half an hour (laughs) orientation. So, you know, so Farron like sort of handpicks people and he's just looking for, he wanted to do prophetic ministry in Milner Ridge. He just thought that like, this could be something different. And he was given the license to do it. Not every chaplain has that. Like, I don't think we could do it at the remand. So, I have a feeling some of our listeners are being provoked even for this discussion. What would you say to them if all of a sudden they feel like, okay, what are the first steps I need to take to get into the prisons? Yeah, to talk to someone that's done it. And we have obviously relationship with the chaplain and, uh, and you know, I, I know that most unusual people that do prison ministry, it's really a certain call. It's a certain kind of person. Um, and th- th- when you do it and you start seeing God move, you get really like this one guy, Kenneth, and he even taught, he gave his testimony the last time I was there and he was like, I have no idea what I was getting myself into, but this is just awesome. And I had the most awesome encounter at Stony Mountain. I cried all the way home, like once I got in my own car. (laughs) But uh, I cried and worshiped God all the way home. Like it was so intense. So for people who are looking for a real practical next step, if this is moving your heart, if you're really resonating with this idea of prison ministry, of bringing the gospel to the least, the last, the lost, to those on the streets, what would you say to them? And and for myself, I would I would say like I fear is just a liar. Th- that's what I would say. 
I grew up in a context where the only teaching I heard about evangelism up until I was probably past 30 was by pastors who weren't evangelists who felt guilty that they didn't do evangelism. So when they taught on evangelism, they taught out of their guilt, and I just felt guilty because I wasn't doing it. And it and it and so it just it just seemed more overwhelming. And so there was like guilt that was kind of driving me. It wasn't the love of God, and and then I didn't even know what to say. And it just felt like, well, I don't like I, I'm not normally I'm not an extrovert. I don't go in, up and talk to people I don't know. And so now over over the last number of years, like I, I think I've just been understanding first of all that that fear is just a liar. Like it. That that wall of fear that we feel, we're so afraid about what people are going to say. I, I just want you to know that that's that thing's it's just fake. And when you step over that thing and actually just start a conversation with a person, it's not nearly as hard as you think it is. I mean, it, it just isn't. And every time you do it, it gets less and less intimidating. And a good starting point is to simply, you know, next time you're you're at the superstore, or the next time you're you're going down the street. Or the next time you're you're working and you see your co-worker beside you and you have a few minutes, just ask the Lord, Lord, what would you say to them? What's, what's on your heart for them? And just see what the Lord would have you do. And, and just take it from there. Like, it's an adventure. Just, just take a little risk. Take a little jump and see what happens. I would just say prayer walk. And go into, like, you know, I mean, if you feel unsafe doing it by yourself, then get someone to go with you, someone from your church, and just go prayer walk in the hood. And every city has a hood. Every city has the other side of the tracks. And go go do it, because that is how God awakened me. He was already, you know, had given me all these kids and these people in my life, but that's how He awakened me to love a neighborhood and love people in the neighborhood was to actually prayer walk. And the people and the things you'll see, because you'll drive buy them in your car. Don't drive, drive prayer, prayer drive. Go and prayer walk. And the things you'll see, you can't pass by. You know, you can't, you can, but you can, will feel disobedient like I do every day, you know, just because I'm in a hurry to go, you know, pick up groceries or something. I mean, yeah, so that, that, that would be the best advice I have. And if you're a really big chicken, find someone else who's doing this already and just see if you can tag along with them. And watch what they do and follow what they do. And this summer, um, I had a chance to lead a, like an, about an eight-year-old boy to the Lord simply because we were doing some ministry in a hospital. Um, I had some teens with me, and I was in a situation where I saw someone come by me, and I just thought in the back of my head, what would Gaylene do in a situation <laughs> like this? Like, seriously, it was just like, because like, what I would do in that situation, I would just keep on walking. I felt my heart kind of pulled, but it was uncomfortable, so I kept on walking. But what would Gaylene do? Gaylene would say, how can I pray for you? So I, I asked a simple question, ended up with us in, 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 a, in a hospital room, and this, this boy ends up giving his life to the Lord. And it's like, I'm a chicken. But I just, I just followed along with some people who weren't chickens and, and started to realize, okay, this isn't actually that bad. And so like, I started at the most basic of level. And if I can do it, I promise you, you can too. Amen. This has been a great discussion. I mean, we, we were going to hit a few other points, but it went in a different direction, which is great. Uh, we'll just have to have gained lean back some time, maybe to share more about her adventures because she has a lot of stories to tell. And, adventures and babysitting. <laughs> but your stories really do provoke and what you do. And thank you so much for coming on with us again. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Uh, but before we end today, it is time for another... Wait, what does that mean? So today's word or phrase is the great and terrible day. 
So, Brian, if you were someone new coming into the House of Prayer and you heard this term used probably from the pulpit, the great and terrible day, what might they be talking about? Well, I I think having been around the prayer movement for quite a while, um, there's actually a lot of singles there, Um, a lot of people who are are still looking for that person. And so, when I think about the great and terrible day, I just think of Valentine's, you know? (laughs) It's like, it's, it's great and it's terrible. And so, that's what we're talking about when we say great and terrible day. Okay. <laughs> Jehu, <laughs> can you follow that up with the Amen. real meaning of the great and terrible day? Let me open it up in the Bible again. It's just so ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, the real definition, again, comes from the scriptures. If you read in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. So, this idea, of course, is that there is this great and terrible day of the Lord. There's going to be great things that are going to happen. There's going to be terrible things that happen. So, Brian's definition is close. Uh, It's just that the Lord likely won't return on Valentine's Day. It's probably a different day. Uh, It probably is a little bit greater than Valentine's Day. I mean, I'm free that day, so, like, it's fine if he does. It's possible, but it would be the day of the Lord's return. The, the, The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness is there as well. Great and terrible. Great and terrible. And he's not coming with a box of chocolates. I mean, you... you <laughs> I think he might I, I mean, if he, he did, you flowers. never know what you're going to get, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, Jehu, for the real definition of the great and terrible day, and we will add, of the Lord. Many of these definitions can be cleared up if we just actually read the <laughs> read Bible. Read the Bible. <laughs> so, the great and terrible day of the Lord is very clear. The great and terrible day is ambiguous. That's true. It's just because we chopped it, and we're just going to start calling it great and terrible. And then it's even more confusing. Anyway, this— It could be paper, because paper can be great, but it can also be terrible. Valentine's Day, kids come with a bunch of great and terrible Valentine's Day papers from their classmates. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All the perforated edges, like easier to tear. Just terrible. Yeah, just terrible. (laughs) And great at the same time. So, this has been another Burningers podcast. Thank you for joining us. Again, we have a Patreon if you want to get some bonus content, maybe some of the behind the scenes. And I don't know if you want behind the scenes, if you heard this last uh, word that we just talked about. Um, But go to our website, burningrooms.ca, and you can get a hold of us. We want to hear from you. We want your comments, suggestions. Leave a review. Leave a review and share the podcast with other people in your praying community or church if you've enjoyed this podcast because they might enjoy it too and we want to expand our reach so until next time my name's johan i'm brian i'm jehu i'm gaylene this has been the burning Burning rooms Rooms Podcast. podcast